Welcome to the Humans of Hospitality podcast. I know so many of you listening to this show love your local bar, your local restaurant, maybe your local hotel, and have so many fond memories of time in hospitality businesses. This is the podcast where we get to chat to the human beings behind the scenes of that industry. Maybe the chefs or the bakers or the coffee roasters or the gin distillers or the craft brewers or the entrepreneurs, but all doing an amazing job of making sure that hospitality stays interesting and the big dull formulaic brands do not take over our high street please enjoy the show In this week's conversation, I am speaking to the lovely Joy from Seaspring Seeds. Now, Michael and Joy at Seaspring Seeds are chili growing experts and legends who took the world by surprise one April the 1st when they revealed they developed the world's hottest chili plant the Dorset Naga. It wasn't an April Fool, even though it seemed utterly absurd that this world record-breaking chilli had been reared in a lush, damp corner of Dorset, far removed from its original Bangladeshi home. And the Dorset Naga is just one of the many wonderful chilies grown by the couple, along with a wide range of vegetable seeds carefully selected for their productivity and their flavour, like the tender sweet roots of the Primo Carrot. In this programme, I get some great chilli culinary tips from Joy, as well as an insight into the incredibly huge dedication and patience that goes into creating these tiny, tiny miracles literally the seeds of life. This conversation blew my mind. I learned so much and I very much hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Joy, thank you so much for sparing the time. Here we are, Seaspring Seeds in, and I say this, people who have heard a few of these podcasts now will be getting bored of me saying I drive across the country and get to these amazing places, but I'm literally can see the sea out of the window we are flooded by light it's a beautiful day can you just explain where are we in the world right. we're in the village called west bexington it's um between abbotsbury and bridport right on the coast um it's a beautiful little village just facing on the south coast looking straight out to the sea yes it's amazing and it's a dead end isn't it so i'm it's gonna feel slightly end, guilty yes. for saying where we are yeah. and then saying how beautiful it is because all of a sudden there'll be people <laughs> yeah. rocking up although there is probably there's a pub in the village that might there's appreciate a pub. there's a pub the and, and the, there's, there's a fancy restaurant it used to be a beach cafe but now it's a, a, quite a high-end restaurant yeah which is, is a shame the hive as well it, it belongs to the hive yes okay. yeah. i just literally just saw it a few minutes yeah, ago when right I was at the bottom by the yeah. sea yes amazing location but okay it's gone a bit it's gone a bit fancy in my mind, I'm sure they're good guys and the food must, is probably wonderful, but in my mind, it's, it's a shame it's not a cafe. It's not a welcoming place for people who go to the beach. Right. But yeah. that's, that's just it's me. It's tricky. Yes. I run a restaurant on the beach as well, so yeah. uh, but it's uh But it's you've got challenge. lots of other things going around. Yes. That, that's all have, there true. is. Yeah. People okay. who go to the beach, there's nothing there yeah. at all for them. So you don't mind, because presumably in the summer, lots of tourists end up driving past the front Yes, well, it's a dead end. It goes yeah. down to the sea and that's it. So everybody who goes down will come back up again. Yeah. It doesn't... It works for us because we we sell chilies on the table on, on, the, on the road. Oh, so, so, okay, so they drive down, they see them, and then they buy them when they leave. So it works So I don't need to feel guilty then about saying that it is well worth going 
going down. I've works. never been down that dead end and I would have yeah. driven past, you know, the end of the road a few yeah. times, but yeah, not heard of the place. You're only 60 miles from where I live. The only photos I carried when I went traveling 20 years ago were pictures of the Jurassic coast and this stretch of coastline because it's so beautiful. It's lovely. Absolutely so beautiful. to have not made this yeah. bit. And then you're literally on a slope. We've just had a little walk around behind and, and because you're on a slope south facing, you get, if there's any sunshine, you literally get it we the whole get time. It, yes. It, we, I mean, the house is on the road, but then our nursery is out behind us and it's all on a slope facing out to the sea. So all the lights of the sun rises in the east and swings around on shine on us the whole time. Also on the shines on the sea and the light reflects back. So we've had Amazing. a lot of light. It's incredible. And you're you're from here as you? Is this your I actually grew up in this village, yes. Amazing. Yes. I've travelled quite a bit in between and then we moved back here. Yeah, excellent. So uh, where does the uh, the growing kind of seed come from in your life? And what's your first memories of growing seeds? Was this something that you were doing as a child? Oh, growing, yes, yes. My, my parents, my father had a market garden. So I've, I've been growing vegetables all my life. And excellent. then I studied agriculture at university and um, then did a PhD and got into agricultural research. So I've always been part of growing or food production one way or another yeah and then you ended up heading off to the uh the u.s i think is that yes. right can you just explain how did that how did that happen and what what on earth well, are you doing I, there i met michael my husband um it, at, at a grassland conference believe it or not every four years there's an international conference about grasslands and I, I met him there and in, he, this is in america this, this well, in well that time it was in america but it goes all over the world right. quite literally um and uh, and we ended up getting married after a few years and we lived in the Caribbean, lived in Texas first and then the Caribbean, the US Virgin Islands. Oh, really? And before okay. we moved back up there for five years and then moved back here. And while you were there, that was predominantly doing research and stuff? As well, Michael, Michael was the programme leader of the agronomy department, which is research into, into mostly forages for animals. And I was the natural resource specialist, which was the best job in the world. It was all about, not in America, natural resources means plants and animals and fish and wildlife. So I was just dealing with all that of the Caribbean and, and, and ecology and, and how, how to look after it and advise some farmers on, on what to do and things like that. Really? Yeah, and, I, I, I'm, I'm in awe because we're also in, uh, in, in uh, what I guess is, so a lot of people would be the front room of their house, but in yours is some sort of kind of almost library. There are, I don't think I've ever seen so many books and yes. piles of books and bookshelves that are literally bowing. The amount of knowledge in this room, and I've got a sneaky feeling that I've only known you for 20 minutes, but I think there's a, a significant amount of knowledge in your head as well, isn't there? So <laughs> what were some of the key things that you were researching and did they have an impact on you wanting to kind of stay in this field? Uh my PhD and Michael's were, were, was in grasslands, grassland agronomy, so it was agriculture, so very, very different to, to growing vegetables. But, but the basics are there. I mean, if you understand um, about plants and how they grow it, and about the soil and soil nutrition and things like that, then it's all there. And then you can just sort of switch from, from agriculture to horticulture without any problems. Really? So what were you doing in grasslands, though? Again, I can't. <clears throat> I find everything interesting. So yeah. were you trying to make sure that they well, survive or what their job is then, or what they I do? Mean, or? It was agricultural grasses, so, so so production. I mean, you, farmers want to get as much from their grasses as they can. This is for grains? And... This is for grazing, okay, yes. Gotcha. And um, the, the wonderful thing about grass as a crop is, is that it's a perennial. So what you do one year, what you or even ten years ahead in the past, will affect what it's how it's growing now. So everything is interrelated. You can't just do something and that's that's it. It all all combines to what's going to happen next year and the year after and the year after. So it's an incredibly complicated system. 
And that's partly what makes grasses, grasslands so, so much fun. Right. So did, so did the stuff you learned have an impact then on, uh, on farming? Or? Um, <laughs> I don't know. That's a good point. I mean, yeah, with research, apart from the few people who are sort of, who were absolutely brilliant, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of, it's a lot of grind with a little bit of knowledge that everybody builds on. So, so my research, at one point, I was the only person in the world who knew what, knew what I knew. Um, I wrote papers, wrote a thesis, and hopefully other people have built on that and built the knowledge further. Right. So I might have done, but who knows? Okay. It's, it's and Michael's just... continuing to do that uh, literally no, no, as we speak, isn't no, he? That, Michael's research was similar to mine for his PhD, but what he's doing now is, is he's just fascinated about, about food, actually, about how, in particular at the moment... How chilies have ex- where chilies belong in the British diet, not just now but in the past, and um, it, there's a there's a general belief that the British have only just discovered chilies, but that's not true at all. I mean, they've been grown in, in Britain almost from the moment that Columbus discovered it. They walk straight back, and they were grown here. Really? So they've been grown in Britain, admittedly by by the rich land gentry who had gardeners who could to do it but i mean tabasco tabasco sauce has been imported into britain for over over 100 years and it gets written in recipes um from way way back i don't i'm being careful what i say because this is michael's research yeah, yeah, yeah sorry to, to go off on a, uh, on and, a tangent and, I don't want and to it's get, not get it's something not been published wrong. yet that's that's right. Right. you, you no. better not give away the no, uh, give right. away the ending but, so, um, yeah. yeah when is it is this for a book or is this for, it's for a book yes really? yes uh, when's yeah. that going to be ready or is that the, uh, uh, the never ending? never ask an author when the book's <laughs> going right. to be ready it's uh it's eternal so um what was the trigger point then to come back to the uk from the us trigger points it was always the plan um to do so i think um i not I mean, when you when you when you you got two families in two different countries, you have to choose a country. Yeah, you can't live in both. Very true. Um, how did you how did you debate that argument? Was, <laughs> ooh, was I don't it, know. it was easy. Um, I I think Michael finds found the well still does the consumerism of the states a little bit unpalatable. Yeah. Um, he, he lives a very moral life, does Michael. Hence his shock when I turned up in my 4 by 4 I think. Was, <laughs> what are you doing on my grass, on my land? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'll, I'll apologise before I go. Um, so you came back with specifically knowing that you were going to We'd already uh, open... bought the, la- bought right. the land. Um, it wasn't a nursery then, but we'd already bought it. Whilst um, you were in Well, we were in the, when we were in the Caribbean. Specifically yes. to Specifically to, to come back to and to grow, yes. Did you know what you were going to grow or? Well, to start with, uh, just general vegetables. We we, we grew um, high end vegetables and sold them to restaurants, right. and we did that for oh, for about ten years. Oh, wow. yeah. How long ago was this that you came back? Eighty nine, nineteen eighty nine. Oh, gosh, a long so time. So I've been here thirty years now. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, okay, yeah. and and that but was you were selling those to local restaurants. Local restaurants, going? yes, yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, twice a week, I'd phone up, get the orders, pick and deliver that day. Yes. Right. Amazing. That, that worked very well, yeah. Yeah, okay. So then it's, uh, you still do that or you no, made the change? No, we, we've, and... we've completely changed now. It, right. um, in 94, we, we, um, we, we started a business called Peppers by Post. And um, as far as we could tell, this was before the internet yeah. at all. So, but as far as we could tell, nobody else was selling, was growing fresh chilies in Britain. There was no, yeah. no chili farms or anything. And this was, so this was a bit revolutionary. And the supermarket chilies were very, very, very ordinary. Nothing, 
no, no interest, no, no flavor of anything. So we, what we, we, we selected 10, I think it was 10, 10 varieties of chilies, ranging from, from the poblana, which is a very large, very musty, very meaty flavored, very mild chili from Mexico. Absolutely, absolutely delicious chili, but really, really mild, right up to, to one of the hottest habaneros we can find and everything in between. Um, and, and so, and we sold them through by mail order. This was when people wrote an order form and sent a check through the wow. post. And what, what made you change? Did you just, you were growing other vegetables, had you just dabbled in chilies or there was that interest there the, from when the, you were overseas? There was interest or? in growing. We found that we were very good at growing chilies. Um, the, a big supermarket opened up in Bridport and we weren't just selling to restaurants, we were also selling to, to um, greengrocers and things. And we felt the writing was on the wall a bit. We, um, and I think we, we were looking for a change, yes. Okay. Writing on the wall because it was becoming dominated by bigger farms. That's, that's right. Yes. Right. Yeah. So okay. so we got into chilies, and it was yeah, part of it was just a small sideline, but very quickly it became the enterprise, right. and and we gradually grew less and less vegetables, for, other vegetables for selling. Okay, and this was using your knowledge from your uh, from your your I suppose your life really, but your studies. I mean, because you you weren't well, just going out there and doing what the layman does and buy some chili seeds and planting them, growing yeah. them. Where you were actually if you if you. I mean, I, if you're trained to, to, to do research, um, so I wasn't using my knowledge from from my PhD at all because that was on grasslands, but but I but you there is a certain mindset, there's a certain way of thinking. I you know, and you understand about how plants grow and photosynthesis and all that. So so yes, I guess we, yeah, we did use it because I felt we had there was there was a training behind what we were doing. Yeah. Okay. And then you've become famous for, you know, a real range of chilies. But I guess the Dorset Naga is the one that I certainly hear the most of. I was saying to you earlier that we've used it in uh, in mojitos with a little bit to add some fire to our uh, to our mojito drinks and a yeah, nice Dorset Bloody, Ma- Bloody yeah. Mary that adds a little bit of heat. So, uh, so how did that come about? Were you specifically trying to create one of the hottest chilies in the world or...? Uh... <laughs> No, there's a, there's a there's a good story with okay. the Dorset Naga. <laughs> no, I'll go Please through tell. it. Yeah. Um, if with peppers by post, we wanted to, we could, we only um, were selling chilies in in the in the harvest season, and there's a finite time. So we wanted we wanted to start selling fresh chilies straight as early as we could in the season, but um, we didn't because we had a catalogue. It was by mail order. We couldn't chop and change, so we wanted to have everything ready at the same time. If somebody made an order and included included the hottest one, and it wasn't ready then we'd have to hold the order back till it was, and that didn't doesn't work very well. So we were looking for a hot chilli, very, very hot, the hottest chilli in, in our range, which would ripen early. Now, the hot the hottest chilies that are around are mostly a type of a broad range of chilies called habanero, but they are traditionally eaten ripe. And so you, that adds on about three weeks to the growing period before you can start picking them. And then we discovered that the Bangladeshis if you go into a, to an Asian shop, there'd always be this little bowl of chilies by the counter of green chilies that were treated really specially. Not not like all the chilies in the big boxes everywhere else where you could buy it by the kilo. These ones you had to buy by the each, and they were quite expensive. So we, we found out more about it, and it was always green. They were always green. Found out more about it. Found out it's the same species as the habanero. Beautiful aroma, absolutely amazing, and it was it was called the Nagamorish. 
So um, very hard to get seed of it because it's picked immature and brought over from Bangladesh. No, nobody's selling seeds. So we struggled to get seeds, struggled to get plants. But eventually we, we, we had 10 plants. Uh, now the Nagamorish is, is, a, is what's called a land race variety um, in, from Bangladesh. And that means that it's never been developed. It just grows there naturally. It's like looking at a weed and saying, I mean, in Britain, it, it just grows there naturally. So different areas, it might be slightly different, but it's all the same same thing. So, so the Nagamorish, so the 10 plants we had, some were very small, some were quite large, some had big fruit, some had smaller fruit. And so we took, took about eight years, I think, making a selection each year, deciding what characteristic we liked, and then taking selection, putting those, the ones we liked into isolation so they couldn't be pollinated elsewhere, so they self-pollinated, and then the, breed, the seed would breed true. Then we take that out, grow it out, make another selection, do it again. And after, after about eight years, we felt we had um, a... a a stable line, which was going to, which was uniform, passed what's called the DUS test in um, plant breeding. Distinctive, it was what we had was distinctive. It stood out as being different to the Nagamorish plants that we originally had. DUS, U, uniform. So if we grow a hundred plants, thousand plants, they all look the same. And S, stable. If you grow one year to the next, it's going to look the same. And only then can you consider you've got a new variety. Right. At that point, we um, decided to find out how hot it was. Okay. Nowhere in Britain tested chilies for heat level at that time. Now, now there are lots of places, but no. So um, Michael ground down some some of the chili powder, took it to the states when he was visiting family then, and um, a few weeks later we got a phone call from somebody, an American in the lab, who had been testing chilies all his life, and he said, and he said he had never tested the chili that hot in his whole life, after his whole career. And it turned out that it was almost double the, that, the, the Guinness World Record holder at that time. So it was just mind-blowingly hot. That's yes. Incredible. Much, yeah, I mean, double the Guinness <laughs> yeah. World Record. It held this record for 12 years. You'd presumably tasted it at this point. Had you blown your head off? Well, a few I knew times, I knew it was way too hot for me right, right from the beginning. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And um, but even then, Michael thought, well, maybe there's a mistake. So we sent it to another lab, and they came out with exactly the same result. Even then, we thought, how can we have found a chili hotter than anything else in the world? Yeah. Grown in, in Dorset That's in England, right. where in you'd England, imagine it yes. would have been grown somewhere, you know, yes. I, I would presume the tropics or That's somewhere right. hot. That's right. I mean, so. in England, I mean, so anyway, we we um, so the, we made up a website all about it, called it Dorset Naga, because Naga, it, it is a Naga, but it's not Naga Moorish anymore. But it, but having bred it for, for eight years, it was now bred to grow well in Dorset, so Dorset Naga. And um, we... Told told a, a friend who was a reporter on our local newspaper in Bridport, tiny little town, and that was all we did. It just so happened that was in um, March. It just so happened that it went out, just because it goes out, the newspaper goes out every week, it went out on the 31st of March. So we didn't know this, but the international paper, the national papers, international papers always look through um, local newspapers. They picked it up and it went worldwide on april the first really? and, I, and that the next day we were getting phone calls from 
everywhere. I have a friend who was working in Africa and he, he read about it that day. I woke up and it was on the BBC World Service um, radio, um, Canada, Australia, everywhere we're getting phone calls about it. It was just quite quite amazing. On, on April the 1st. On April the 1st. So, so, so everybody thought it was, it was a joke, but, yeah. but it turned out not to be. Wow. But for us, it meant that we had an incredibly hot chilli that we could sell green because traditionally the Bangladeshis eat it green. So that was perfectly jit for us to pick it green. So we could sell it, start selling at the same time as we could sell all the other chilies. Okay. And then, so if you sell it green, it continues to... It will ripen to a red, yes. Yeah. Right. It goes on ripening. And the heat changes during that process? Gets that's, that's what it that's ripens what I up, to. Yes, so, yes. Amazing. Yeah. So uh, I had no idea, again, until we were walking around, and, and I was saying to this to you when, you when you just showed me around, but never really thought about how you develop sort of seeds and how you yeah, need to stop the bees. You were saying that you know you can't let the bees mm -hmm. kind of pollinate them because you really need to protect them. So um, you've done that presumably with a number of different chilies. Have you now got a number of chilies that are specifically kind of, you know, suited to this environment? And eight years is ex exceptionally patient. <laughs> it take, it, that's what breeding, that's why breeding takes a long time. Um, making a cross is dead easy. Anybody can cross, make a cross, but you're going to get a, a, the next generation is going to be quite a wide genetic variation. And, and so so you have to then, the, what takes the time is then isolating what, what's called the phenotype, the characteristics, what, you, what it's going to look like. Um, and that you just narrowing down the genetic base a bit so that it's uniform. And that's what takes the time, right. yes. How do you get a cross of seeds then? Well, you get two different varieties, put pollen from one to the other, and there no, you are. Yes. You, you do this with, uh, yeah. You can Excuse do that. my stupid questions. You but, can uh, do that Somebody's only ever killed the plants in my kitchen. <laughs> I struggle to keep my basil plant alive. So I'm thinking, yeah. Oh like, so I get I get two, no, I don't get two seeds and go, hey, look, you know, boy seed, girl seed. So, yeah, how do you how do you actually get pollen out? Is, this is this is done by hand? With... Um, you, it, we don't, I haven't, we've hardly done that because it happens so nat so easily, naturally. I mean, right. that's Just why. Put them next to each other? That's why when we're breeding, when we've got to breed and things, you don't want we don't want bees because bee going from one variety to another yeah. will make a cross. Right. And um, what you get from that, the, the 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 seed that you save from that will then be a, a mix of the two. Yeah. So if you do want to cross breed, I think about breeding in animals. You see, I know how they work. I've yeah. watched the it's uh, pretty discovery much the same. Planet, but uh, you can literally just put the put the plants next to each other. You you need the bees to kind of uh, to uh, do the work or. If, if yes, you need the bees for that. You need the bees. But, but there's also there's also just natural mutation. Um, what happens is uh, is whenever you grow, we grow something, um, if there's anything which isn't you completely uniform, which is different, very often if, if it's got something that looks interesting, we will take that out, separate it out, we'll strip off all the flowers, um, leaving just buds, all the chilies, all the buds. Um, all the flowers leaving just buds so the buds won't um, and then we put a net in over it so no pollinators can get in and so we know that because the buds have been closed we know it hasn't been pollinated by, an, right. by a oh, bee okay. and the beautiful thing about chilies is that they're self-pollinating each flower ha has, has the female flower part and then the male um, stigma, um, stamens which have got the pollen and they pollinate themselves so that if you put a netting over it and no pollinating insects can get in, you know that it will self-pollinate and breed true. Right. Yeah. So I learned all about the uh, pedigree uh, Frisian cows a few weeks ago with Kerry Cryer yeah. up at Brinkworth. And, and it's all the same That thing. blew my mind as well, the yeah. fact that they're kind of, yeah, they, you know, they, they keep it very, uh, the biosecurity, I suppose. Yeah. And, but I had no idea. And again, when you say it, it makes perfect sense that that's exactly what you do with seeds. But yeah, this is why I think... 
Uh, I love having these conversations because I'm pretty sure, you know, I'm not the thickest man on the street, so I'm pretty sure that the public have got no idea mm. of the work that goes into it. And when they, uh, you know, when they buy their packs of chilies, uh, yeah, they've got no comprehension. Presumably in chili world, they're in the same as everything else. You've got uh, loads of imported uh, cheap stuff and then you've got your kind of, uh, your, your, your premium local stuff. Is that is that fair? Or? Um, <laughs> yes, it is. Um, the, the- the, the, a lot of fresh chilies um, grown in Africa and imported and, and sort of well in Asia as well, and and that used to be just fairly standard cayenne type chilies or what's called Fresno, which is a bit a little bit like a jalapeno, and um, but now there's a lot more uh, around, but the supermarkets are atrocious at, at, at selling and and they're atrocious at labelling and and they they label things wrong. So, um, I mean, what, we did a study a while back looking at, at habaneros, Scotch bonnets. That, that's the, the, the Scotch bonnet is a habanero of a particular shape. So the supermarkets were selling Scotch bonnets. And traditionally, Scotch bonnets are, should be hot. That, that's, I mean, they're not always, but that, that, that's the traditional accepted thing. So supermarkets selling these Scotch bonnets. And we were buying packets which were, were, different, which were different even species, let alone... Uh, and some of them had no heat whatsoever, so uh, you couldn't buy it and, and be guaranteed to get what you're getting at all. Mm. Seems strange, and and I noticed that with, I think there's this sort of because of the ignorance of chilies, and you just see the little pack in uh, in the supermarket yeah. and you buy them, but yeah, you 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 don't get any kind of flavour. Sometimes you get heat, but there's a real yeah. lack yeah. of flavour. But I don't, you know, I know I don't particularly remember going and seeing the kind of you know the finest range and the taste of different ranges. You just seem to see these bulk standard yeah. chilies. Where do you go to get really well, good chilies? Well, that's the trouble. Clearly... That aren't, I mean, we've we stopped doing peppers by post now because yeah. we, we're we're into the seeds and the breeding, so we sell the seeds. It's not easy to get uh, good chilies. That that is the trouble, and and that's why if you're really into your chilies, you should grow them. Right. Because you can't buy these. In- There's so many interesting chilies. There's so many. They've got flavors. They got they- and they're beautiful plants. Yeah. And and it doesn't matter if you haven't got much space. They they there are lots of small varieties which grow on the windowsills. Right. So, but you there really isn't there aren't there isn't a chili growing culture commercial culture. There were a couple of big chili growers to sell for the supermarkets, but you won't go to greengrocer and get get good chilies. Okay, is that because it's harder to grow them in the UK? You you've clearly got perfect yeah. land, but there must be other people who've got you know great land for growing chilies. Why don't we grow them on a commercial level? All the people I know who grow chilies make sauces out of them. They grow, uh, and there's a very big there's a really big demand for, for nice chili sauces now. And there's some really good tasting ones around, and some really good companies as well doing it. But they're looking for for the best quality chilies, best tasting chilies. And so they they might grow them themselves. They might deal with a grower. Not many growers sell them. Certainly not in the quantity that that could cover cover the country. You might you there might be a grower that sells to a greengrocer, but they're not going to expand that much. Chilies need to be grown indoors. They need polytunnels. They need conservatories. Um, the big growers, chili growers, sell to supermarkets. Right. Yeah. Okay. Easy to grow them seeds, and then um, so peppers by post at the time was literally you were selling the the finished product. You weren't selling the seed and the plants at that time. Mm -hmm. How long did you do that for? We did that for we started in ninety four, and we we did it for about fifteen years. Yeah, 
Amazing. Yeah. And what and what made that stop? Was that again? It, it kind of served its purpose, and the supermarkets took over again, or uh... no? I think we're... <laughs> every fifteen years we seem to change. Yeah. Um, well, there's a cat. There's a cat <laughs> arriving. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dorset Naga really changed everything because right. everybody wanted it and, okay. and everybody wanted to grow it, and and so we got into seed production, right. and getting into seed production meant we had to think differently and we we did want to change anyway so that's when we started sea spring seeds and and got into selling seeds and and although we specialize in chilies we are vegetable growers we know vegetables any all types of vegetables and tomatoes cucumbers beetroot whatever so this we were losing that that side of us with with peppers by post. So sea spring seeds, where we sell seeds of all vegetables, sort of reintroduce us back to to the vegetable world. I think, Amazing. but we still specialise in chilies. Yeah. yeah, and you so you sell the uh, the chilies as seeds as well as as plants and everything else, just as seeds. Yeah, or? what we do is, is we act, we we have sea spring seeds, which sells seeds of all vegetables, well, most of vegetables. And then we've also got we call what we call sea spring plants, where we sell chili plants. And we, we sell plug, chili plug plants, which are sort of chili, little, young little chili plants, which are about sort of 10 centimetres in size, growing in a jiffy seven pellet that we send out through the post. Wow. And we sell those April, May time. Or we, we take orders from October onwards, but we sell, they go out April, May time. And then from June onwards, we sell them in, in litre pots, mature plants with chilies on them. Right. Through the post as well? Through the post, yeah. And we have from the website, but also it shows and from our roadside and things like that. Okay. And are you selling, this is predominantly then to people, uh, to you know, hobby, people growing them at home and stuff like that. Same with your seeds or your vegetable seeds sold uh, commercially for restaurants as well? Or? Yeah. No, we, we don't sell, we, with our seeds, we only sell in retail packs. So we don't we don't sell uh, um, sort of wholesale to, to commercial growers. We do sell to um, a few select places, like the the Eden Project sells our seeds. So so they buy they they buy the retail packs and they sell them on. And RHS Wisley Gardens will will sell our seeds. So we've selected a few places who we let them sell our packs. Okay. But mostly we sell them ourselves. Yes. Yeah. And I got to enjoy some for lunch today. I was saying I was with Karen at Capriolis, who uh, who had some beautiful. I can't remember the names of the different leaves that she was the serving oriental me. Salads, yes, yeah, but she yes. had this beautiful polytunnel again coming to the uh, to the end. I think mm-hmm. of of the season for the stuff she had, but uh, yeah, very uh, but very privileged. It was a nice link as well to come in um, before my lunch. Um, how on earth do you actually send a, a plant in the post? I just find it amazing how much stuff now goes by post. The internet has. You know, I thought the Royal Mail was finished a few years ago because I just thought yeah. we're all going to send emails and now literally everything comes in the post. Everything how on earth, the post. How do I you know. send a chilli? I can't keep a chilli plant alive in my kitchen in the sunshine. How do you send them through the post? <laughs> well, they, 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 we, we buy them what's called blister packs. I mean, they're, they're wonderful things. They're, they're, it's made from a, a plastic. It's green, see, it's see-through. It, it's nice and firm. You put, they're, they're, they're shaped so that the, the pellet is held, the, the Jiffy 7 pellet that the roots are in, the root ball, is held really tight. The little hole, the, the rest of the plant goes up in there. You, you clip it shut. Um, then we've just put the address label and the stamp on that so the postman can see what he's handling. Wow. 
and and it's it's really neat. I, I think that I, I think the packaging is yeah. very good. Yeah, it's amazing, really isn't it? What what, what yeah. can now be done? That's right. And uh, have you noticed the people's change? So I guess uh, our interest in food and our willingness to try different foods has really changed. So I think again, you know, chatting to um, to Karen earlier about charcuterie and saying that you know twenty years ago you didn't really see charcuterie in this country and probably didn't really see chilies. Whereas now are we seem to have really broadened our knowledge. Presumably at the same time that you've developed this amazing range of chilies, you've also seen the public's interest and people cooking with them has has what we're using changed in your yes. observation in the last without decade? doubt without doubt yes and when we started peppers by post it was a very strange thing to do and and we we ended up throwing most of our chilies away in the compost heap but um by the time we were finishing it we we, we couldn't it seems crazy to have stopped doing it we couldn't keep up with the demand because people people discovered chilies with dorset naga I mean, I thought it was going to be a one-hit wonder because it, the heat level is just incredible. I can't explain how. But some people love it. They really do. And 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 if you can cope with the heat, it's absolutely delicious flavour. So, and people know that. And that's what they're going for. And, they, and things, the, the British and, and all the different ranges of chilli sauces that are available, it's just open up people's eyes. And I think most people now, eat chilies a lot more than they ever did there's no question mm. and have you seen any particular uh chefs using your products as have you had any uh because the chefs seem to spot these things coming along and then get in touch <laughs> and say they want to try it any any experience or seen it in any particular restaurants where you know and go ah look there's the dorset no that's made me proud <laughs> well um jamie oliver did um the, oh it was even on big brother they, you know, but they had a chili tasting thing on Big Brother one time. So yes, um, then Hugh Fernie Whittensall does did a lot with chilies. Um, we want we we worked with them on growing chilies a fair bit. Excellent. His River Cottage series. So yes, it's sort of. It sort of it filters into everything. It's, it's just there now. Must feel yes. quite surreal to go from that, yeah, that, yeah. that tiny yeah. little uh, village overlooking the overlooking the sea, so locally, and then yeah, see That's this, right. this, this it, international it is, it, explosion. I mean, there are, there are lots of other what we call super hots now. I mean, which are vastly hotter than the other chilies. Right. And and there are chilies which have been measured hotter than Dorset Naga now. But they're all of this elk. They're just they just got really good flavour if you can cope with that searing heat. And, um, and and people just know about them. They're just everywhere now. Yeah. So did you say, I, I presume, did it irritate people, the fact that this little place in Dorset, in a, a nice cold country, <laughs> developed one of the hottest chilies in the world? Did you find the kind of more traditional chilli growing countries kind of stepping up their game and going, right, oh, yes. we're not going to be beaten? Is there, is there a bit of competition? There's a big competition between Australia, the States and Britain now really? to see who can get the hottest chilli. At the moment, the... the the record holder is, is an American with, yeah. with a chili called Carolina Reaper, but it's gone back. It's it's gone from Australia to Britain to the States. Each one getting slightly Brilliant. hotter. All starting with the Dorset Naga, um, and then then you've started a trend. So started the trend, yes. But um, and are you yeah. still developing hotter and hotter ones, or are no, you no, letting, the, uh, uh, you're letting other not. people play let that them, game? Let them play the game. I love it. it. It's, you it's, started it. No need to play. <laughs> it's it's a macho thing, which is something which, which we want. Pe- Everybody to enjoy chilies. We're not into just encouraging the the the, the, the I'm better than you because I like hotter the, the the that sort of thing, yeah. which does tend to go with the super hots. Not all, not all. Some people generally really just like it that hot. Yeah. 
But but there's so much more to chilies than just that. Okay. Yeah. So although the Naga's the famous one, you've got are you, are you still developing new sort of ranges, new products, or uh... yes, yes. I mean, we 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 have one called Dorset Singer, which um, originally came from Suriname. Very very similar story, which um, broke a million. SHU, which is about the heat level of Dorset Naga. Um, so so yeah, we're looking at quite a lot. We've got one which we're quite excited about, but um, that's some years away. Really? So. Wow! I love the fact that it takes so many years to do mm. these things. I always thought I tell the story a lot at work with the guys with uh, asparagus and the fact that it takes three years to grow asparagus yeah. from seed, and that we do amazing, you know, asparagus from the new forest, and we shouldn't be flying asparagus from Peru. And if it gets put on the menu in December and January, I get a bit grumpy about it because when it's <laughs> on form, and that's three years. I thought that was special. We grew our own. We rented some land out in the mm. forest and started to grow our. Own own produce really and uh yeah it wasn't very good the asparagus we grew you know we wait not only did we wait three years and uh, but when <laughs> we did it was like good. oh god so you've got to be phenomenally patient so yeah, yeah, oh, perhaps, you do. yeah. hats off to you for yeah. uh you know for doing it um do you have any particular favorite chili recipes yourself do you end up cooking them or uh, eating them or have you just had enough <laughs> no no it's it's funny we get asked a slightly different question to that a lot which is our favorite chili yeah and, and the thing is it just depends on, on your on your mood. I mean, yes, I I, I love chilies. I mean, and it, stuffed chilies, the poblana, which is the Mexican chili I mentioned. <clears throat> that uh, that's actually the only chili we bother freezing because that flavour is you you cannot get that from anything else. You what we do is we grill it, um, and burn the skin, mm-hmm. and then then it sweats off, and it ripens to a very rich brown. To, um, color the Mexicans eat it green but I think it's better tasting brown and and it's so oily you just you, it's just dripping in oil and it's so rich and it's it really is like a meat equivalent we're not trying to replace meat but but it's it's such a filling dish and it's, uh, it's I, I can't it's just lovely it's, yeah. and so so I mean that that's simply just so some mulatto just cut up in strips bit of oil and make a salad out of it oil and vinegar and it's delicious maybe throw in a few tomatoes and it's the best salad you can imagine. Um, mm. But then stuffed, I mean, um, if you small, lots of small ones with thick flesh, if you just scrape them out, stuff them with anything. Um, and then what, one thing I like is, um, a, a, say, a mincemeat, pork mincemeat base, and then make a white sauce with um, coconut milk instead of milk. Yeah. So it's got a really a, a sort of tropical flavour mm. to it, and yeah, then bake goes, that. goes well with the heat. Um, Have you got any recipes on your website? Or? We don't, no. Oh, well, I mean, we should like, do. Sounds like you should do. This is something between Michael and me. When, I was we, when um, Michael finishes his book, can you do the next one and actually yeah, yeah, do us no, some, we, do we, some we, great we really recipes? should. This is something we, we talk about. So. Yeah, you really should. Because you know, nobody else has got that level of uh, you know, proper knowledge yeah. about the, you know, the authenticity that comes from knowing the history and, and, and how they're bred and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So... Um, yeah, I think uh, I think it's amazing. So one of the challenges we're facing, and I was um, chatting to Helen Browning uh, about this, with you know how are we going to continue to feed the planet, and how do we you know with, with with as we're approaching ten billion people on planet Earth, and this this necessity for yield and this constant drive to kind of industrialize farming with your 
researching your PhD and your knowledge. Any thoughts on on that? And you're clearly, I know that's not your sector because you're kind of, you know, selling seeds for people to grow at home. But but have you got an opinion on this 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 challenge around the industrialization of farming and how we keep food tasting well, really good? Uh, Chili's not going to feed the world. No, but they will make your food more interesting. Yeah. So that that's that's the whole point about chilies. One thing that we we're very keen on is to get people who don't have a garden or don't have a big garden to grow their own vegetables. So people can can make a big difference to their diet just by growing salads on a windowsill or herbs on a windowsill. And and it's so simple and you don't need a garden, you don't need any knowledge, you just need to go to have a go, have a try attitude. So I, I get I go to a lot of shows, a lot of um and sort of like an urban garden show or something, trying to persuade people to, to grow vegetables, even if you haven't got a garden. Yeah. And I think that that's that could make a very big difference. Yeah, all, all start yeah. doing it on a smaller scale. That's right. And you say it's easy, and clearly it is for you, but um, I don't know, too much water, too little water, go away for the weekend and all my herbs die. Mm. How do you actually make it easy? Yeah. There must, you away, must have some secrets. Going away is the issue, yes. But don't go away. <laughs> don't go away, no. <laughs> have a good neighbour. Um, but but watering, too, too little, it will, so give it more. Right. Too much, make sure it's a free-draining pot. So that if it's too much, it'll drain through. If if you think you've um, give it too much and then it's coming out the bottom, the only thing you have to remember is that you're probably washing away nutrients, so you've got to give it some fertilizer occasionally. Okay. But provided that, it doesn't matter if you give it too much. So inside, how do you have a free draining pot? Because you pour water in and then it ends up over your kitchen floor, over well, your window sills. You, so. It's got to have a pot. I mean, by don't use soil. Soil gets very compacted and, okay. and, and in pots and doesn't work. You really have to buy commercial compost of some sort which will be free draining um make, make sure there's drainage holes in the pot and make sure that if it, if it stands in a saucer the saucer's not too deep because if you have a pot which is say 15 centimeters high and you've got a saucer which is five centimeters high then that's going to be waterlogged up to that five centimeters if you if it's catching the water okay so have a and um if it, and if this if you have a narrow shallow saucer and water runs out of that then then give it less okay and any uh, i know you can grow herbs and you can grow ch- yeah. chilies inside mm-hmm. any vegetables that you can grow on your windowsill in your kitchen as well or? well all salads i mean things like like the that karen grew um the, the mizunas the pak choys the tatsoys all these oriental salads they, if you grow them into in containers um small pots doesn't matter doesn't have to be very big and then you cut them as baby leaves when they're about 10 15 centimeters high they will regrow so you don't have to keep sowing them right um just cut them high as long as you don't damage the the, the growing point where the leaves are produced they'll they'll regrow so so lettuces you can do you don't have to have full head of lettuces just cut them as baby leaves um and, and when do you need to sow them any, well, if you don't in your house, any t- there's, you can do it any time. Really? So literally, we literally. should be we should be hitting your website, putting yeah. them in, putting them in some compost yeah. on the windowsill in the daylight. And how long before from seed to the point where I'm munching on my baby leaves? Um, if you do an oriental salads, they're very quick. Yeah. They'll germinate within. Um, uh, they'll be, certainly by by a week. They'll, they'll be coming up quite. Or, really? Well, they'll be wow. fully up. Uh, if it's if it's in your house, if it's in living environment with yeah. warm temperatures, and then when they're sort of about ten centimeters high, so 
a few weeks, about four, three weeks, three, four weeks. Amazing. Pea shoots are even faster. Yeah. You can buy peas and they they pop straight up. Right. And and, and actually, I so looking last night on the website, I saw Nigel, your very famous yes. uh, chili plant. And that, that literally blew my mind because you're, you're sowing the seed in January. And by yeah. October, this thing was huge with two and a half thousand chilies on That's it. Right. So. You literally, yeah, plant plant Jan or Feb and you're going to get chilies, not as many as Nigel, but just tell us about Nigel. <laughs> okay. Ni- Nigel was a Dorset Naga plant. Um, Dorset Naga is a difficult plant to grow. It right. belongs to a species which does need so a bit of care. So don't start there. So if you've never grown chilies before, don't start with, with, with a Dorset Naga. But a lot of people grow it and a lot of people come to advice and saying they're only getting a few fruit. But it's and its potential is enormous. So we grew Nigel just to show people what it can do. And we put, so we sowed the seed 20th of January. Um, well, we didn't sow it especially for Nigel, we just because we, 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 were, we sell chili naga plants. So we, we sowed the seed and we raised about a thousand plants. In May, I took one of those plants out of the thousand. So it hadn't been treated specially at all, put it into a pot, which is 160 litres in size. That's a big pot. Mm. And then from May onwards, middle of May onwards, I made sure that it was never short of water, never short of nutrients, had as much light as possible. We kept them in a polytunnel with all that big root space. And um, it grew to about eight feet tall. I couldn't get my arms around it. I mean, it was eight feet wide as well, but several feet taller than I was. And when in middle of... um, Beginning of November, when it was ten and a half months from the day we sowed it, we picked two and a half thousand chilies off it. Amazing. And for some reason, he got called Nigel. I don't know <laughs> why or how, but that's what happened. Yeah, that was, it's, it's, it's worth going on. And I don't know you, what you Google on there. How do you find it on YouTube? So I looked at it last night. But maybe um, I'll put it in the show notes actually for the podcast. Yeah, it's, giant Naga would yeah, work. Or, it, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I would have presumed it would have taken years to get to that yeah, size, no, but the it, that's speed what, that it grew that that was just. I mean, t- two weeks to germinate. So, yeah. so we're talking about ten months' growth from, from a tiny, tiny seed then yeah. to an eight-foot-tall plant. Mind blowing! And, um, and, and you and, created it. Yeah, that's yeah. off to you. Yeah. Um, so, for the novice then who's sitting there or, or out walking his dog now or driving his car, he's thinking, "Okay, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to try and grow some chilies. Good. What's a what's a great uh, what's a great species to go for?" And they hit your website. Right. Okay. The the. There are five species of chilies that that people that grow, but the most common ones is Capsicum annuum and Capsicum chinensis. The Capsicum annuum are the cayennes, the jalapenos, the, the poblanos, the serenos, all that type. Now, these are much easier to grow than the Capsicum chinensis, which are the scotch bonnets, the habanero types, and the naga types. The, the, the annuums are faster growing, faster germinating, slightly less fussy about conditions and that sort of thing. Really? So so, it, so, so it just means they can cope with a little bit more neglect? Is that the basic right. inv- and, and that And that might yeah. be whether that's temperature yeah. or water. So they, if, they, if they... Mostly it means that they can cope with lower temperatures and slightly poor light conditions. Because right. chilies need a lot of light and, a lot of, and plenty of warmth, yes. Okay. So put them somewhere... Sunny, we, but we need to be planting them now for chilies. Or... Yes, if you're if you want to do it from seed, really January February time, okay. um, you up to about mid March, 
April, which is soon now, is yeah. getting late. Right, but Very you late. sell not just but, in our cuisine now. But yeah. yes. <laughs> if really for, for begin chilies are actually difficult to germ, even the capsicum manniums. They you have to sow them early. They need plenty of warmth and they need it um, January, February, that's winter time, and you're not really prepared for, for growing then. Yeah. So the solution is is buy chili plug plants. Yeah, and plenty of people do them. We reckon we do the best. I'm sure you do. <laughs> and, and and you do the plug plants in a variety as well. We, we, in, we do about, um, I can't remember this year, about 35, 40 different varieties. So people can buy, they can choose exactly what they want. Okay. And on, yeah. it, on the website it says suitable for, for, for idiots or... Uh, <laughs> well, if <laughs> I'm you're, sure you're not that harsh. If, you're, you buying say, a plug plant, no, if you're buying a plug plant, it doesn't matter if you go for the the no, chinensis, no. the scotch bonnets, okay. because the difficult phase is over. It's, it's, that, it's the first two or three months of their life, which is the difficult bit. If you get that right, then all you need to do is put them in a pot, put them in a warm place where there's plenty of light and, th- and they'll do fine. Okay, can I take one with me? I'm going to send you photos. <laughs> I'm going to try and keep one alive until September. I'm going to do... I will send... They're not ready yet, okay. but I will send, send me you one, one in And April. I will... I will yes. I, you've yeah. motivated Make me sure to try me way address, harder yes. than I normally do. They, and, they uh, really are easy. Just water them okay. and well, then give them lots that. of light. You've not seen my mint, yeah. which I think is a weed. It's supposed to grow anywhere, isn't it? But uh, <laughs> even, even that got... Uh, even You've fallen in love with the chilli plant. They really are. No, I think it's great. I was Again, I was saying to you when we were walking around your garden that I did buy one, I think probably last September October time, not realising that was just the... The, the when the winter they, comes, uh, yeah, and then and it didn't do so well. But they do, they regrow, do they? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, chilies, sweet peppers, and chili peppers—they are perennials. Correct. They will live for many years. Yeah. But that's in the tropics, right? Where they don't have okay. winter. So in Britain, I mean, tomatoes are perennials as well. But, yes. But we treat them as annuals. Right. When we hit the winter, that 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 sort of that's okay. the end. I won't beat myself up then. I so won't no, feel bad. Don't. It wasn't it wasn't my fault. I live in England. No, no. I mean, you can keep them through the winter, but I can't. What's the point? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So where do people go then to find out more about you? Are you on social media as well or is it just your website? Or? Yes, I try to do social media and I, I do Facebook and, and Twitter. I, okay. I try to start Instagram. I just haven't got to it. Sometimes I'm good at it. Other times I'm not because it's just time-wise. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to do it. So so I am on there, yes. So, face, so Facebook slash um, dot com slash Seaspring Seeds. Okay. And, and we have one for, that's for growing vegetables generally and slash home of the Dorset Naga for anything on chilies. Perfect. And then and then we do Twitter as well. So. Okay. Do you have a team here that help you with the growing and stuff like that as well? You've got how many acres was it you said you've got out the back? Well we have fifty acres but we don't grow on that. So we right. have three horses that use most of it. Okay. Yes. Um so most of what we have is just in the polytunnels and greenhouses. So right. in area, it's in square yards rather than and, acres. You manage it yourselves? Between you and Michael? We you do. It's Michael and me. We, we do hire people. We um, we have some young teenagers come in every Saturday morning and they're great. So we enjoy them. Um, yeah. And then uh, another person who comes in um, sort of uh, bits. We're never quite sure which day he's coming, but we work it out every week. Excellent. And uh, you change every uh, fifteen years. So what's next? So I don't know. Know, what, what you've you've done all sorts. What's what's the next direction? Do <laughs> That's you know a yet? good point. Yes, I like to think we'd stick with sea spring seeds. Partly because there's so much, it keeps changing. Every every variety that we sell of seeds. We've grown, we've tasted, we've trialled. So, so there's constantly new varieties. Not just the chilies that we breed, but we're looking to other, what other people breed and produce. So there's so much. It, it, it just 
it's it's quite exciting. I mean, that sounds a bit. I don't know. No, it is I, quite exciting. I, I think it is exciting. We get so yeah. excited about what's coming up and what what we can trial, and yeah. and when we find a good variety, it's it's thrilling. Whether yeah. whether it's a carrot or whether it's a tomato. Amazing. Yeah. What 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 uh, defines a good carrot when you find one? How do you go? Yes, this is the one. Oh, all sorts. I mean, we we sell one called um, Primo, which is. I think it's a wonderful one because it starts to colour up and flavour up when it's very young. So mostly when you take out all these, these thinnings, they're, they're pale and there's nothing to them. I mean, you can eat them, but but with Primo, it, it starts getting colour really young. So so it, they make great small bunching carrots and you can put them in tubs and just keep pulling them very young. Yeah. And, and, and it's really good taste and very, very, very tender. So. Amazing. Well, you've um, you've inspired me. I'm sure you've done the same to people listening. I'm just so grateful that people like you exist in the world who kind of do all of the, who've got the patience and the ability to spend eight years, uh, you know, protecting um, a chili seed from bumblebees who want to pollinate <laughs> and and creating these amazing things. So thank you for doing what you do. Good luck. Thanks for sharing the story. Um, I, like I say, I'll put the website and some links, and I'm going to grow some stuff Good. and take a few photos and share it on social media as very well. But Joy, thank you so much for spending the time. It's been brilliant. My pleasure. Thank you very much. So there you have it. You have reached the end of another episode of the Humans of Hospitality podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please go and visit our website, humansofhospitality.co.uk for the show notes and extra episodes and information. And whilst you're there, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter and to receive free materials all about the humans behind our incredible industry. Lastly, if you could subscribe, rate and review this podcast, you will be massively helping me out and it would be hugely appreciated. Thank you so much. We'll be launching another podcast in just seven days time. Cheers. Cheers.